Hello, my name is Josh Gollum, and I'm the CEO of Hazel Health, and I'm here with Superintendent Ruben Reyes um, of Robla Elementary School District. And we're excited to share our presentation, which is meeting the needs of pediatric patients in grades K-12 with telehealth. And so just by quick background, so um, Hazel Health, we do school-based telehealth. We operate in schools representing almost 2 million kids across the country, across 12 states, bringing both physical and mental health services to kids. Uh, it is my absolute pleasure to uh, introduce Superintendent Reyes, um, who has been doing amazing work in his community and has been a phenomenal partner uh, for Hazel. Uh, Superintendent Reyes, I'll turn it to you. Josh, thanks so much. So uh, well, uh, welcome everyone. Thank you for having me today. Uh, I would just like to share that I am the superintendent in the Robla Elementary School District, which is a small school district in the city of Sacramento. I've been in my school district uh, for over 20 years. I started here as a teacher and uh, have now been, I'm just beginning my 12th year as the superintendent um, here in the school district. I think what, what, what I'll talk about today is of course the context of, of telemedicine in this, in a community such as this. But I think really what, what, what we're gonna talk about today is this idea that more and more, especially in certain communities, schools are expected to provide a wider array of services, uh, not just because, uh, you know, don't, don't think we don't have enough to do and we're looking for other, uh, other things to get involved in. It's really just become a necessity. And so becoming involved in things like health access for our families has really just been dictated by the needs of, um, of our community. So uh, again, Robla is a small elementary district in the city of Sacramento. Uh, we serve a little over 2,000 students in preschool through grade six. Uh, we have five elementary schools, uh, a, a district preschool center, and then we also have um, a brand new charter school that serves grades seven and eight. Uh, we're in the city of Sacramento, as I've said. We're about 10 square miles on the northernmost edge. And while I have lived in Sacramento my whole life, uh, I was unaware of this particular community, which um, un unfortunately is characterized by a very high degree of poverty. Um, and interestingly, cu coupled with that is the idea that there aren't a lot of services available in this part of the city. So we're characterized by neighborhoods, some that look very suburban. We've also got some big plots of land for people who have livestock, those kinds of things. We have a lot of warehouses um, and that, that's kind of how the, the land is used. Unfortunately, we don't have any kind of hospitals or clinics. Um, and, and frankly, we don't even have a, a very good grocery store. There's lots of fast food places, uh, gas stations, things like that. But in terms of access, this community has some real issues um, around being able to get the kinds of services that families may need, especially if you're a family that is uh, living in poverty. So if you need to get to a clinic or to a hospital, you do have to find a way to get transported there. And if you're um, having difficulty paying the rent, sometimes you don't have a car, the bus system in Sacramento doesn't really serve this part of the city very well. So we, for example, have to do a great deal of busing in order to get our students to school because transportation is um, a big uh, issue for a lot of our families. I think the other thing that interestingly has come along part of this work is learning that uh, we have a lot of families who are homeless. 
which is, I think, just yet another rung down from living in poverty, this idea that your housing is unstable. And while it may not be that you're living on the streets, it may be that you're doubled up with another family. The, the problem is that you are forced then to um, have to deal with quick changes in your residency or uh, where your kids go to school. So there's just a great deal of turnover. So all of these things get in the way of learning. And that's why here in Robla, we decided we need to become involved in helping students and their families access uh, some of the services that they need. Uh, why don't we go to the next slide, uh, Josh. Um, we've talked really about this piece. I think one of the things that I wanna um, mention here is the fact that language access or the ability to speak English is an issue that faces a lot of our families and something that we have to always pay a great deal of attention to. Um, and uh, so putting all of this together, how did Robla get involved in becoming part of uh, uh, providing the service of, of telemedicine? And um, I will say as, as I have that what happened before was if a student had a health issue, then what would happen is we would contact the family and would, we'd say, it looks like uh, little Jose needs to be checked out by his doctor. And we would call the family and say, please come and pick him up. And then they would go away. And honestly, we would just cross our fingers and hope that the family would be able to follow through. And sometimes they were able to, and sometimes they were not. If they didn't have good access to medicine, then oftentimes what we simply had was Jose missing a lot of school. Um, and then he came back in the same situation he was in when he left. So we could sit back and just lament this situation or we could become involved in helping this to get better. And it was around this time and we began to search for how we could partner to do this because the school district of course is not equipped to provide health services in that way. We did have a school nurse, uh, but she obviously could be stretched only so far. Um, and we were introduced to Hazel and found a great partner in this organization that um, seemed like they could provide a services that was really, really important to our families. Uh, we didn't have the funding to do this initially and we had to really begin to think about how we could be creative and figure out ways to provide this, um, this kind of service. The, I, I wanna say something else about the partnership. I, I just think it's really important um, for us to remember that um, partnerships mean everybody kind of has to do their part. And I think that it's important for a school district to be able to find partners that understand how school systems work and the needs of our families. Um, I think that it's very interesting that um, our school nurse, I, I think this is something that um, is an interesting anecdote in this work is that our school nurse initially was very reluctant to begin involved. She, she almost saw that this might have been a way to um, get her out of a job. And of course, what we were trying to do was support her. And, and it's funny that during the course of this work, she went from someone who was very leery to someone who has uh, become very much an advocate for programs such as this. Because now she has people 
who are knowledgeable about the needs of students and their health and who can support us and support them in, in moving forward. So uh, the partnership began and we'll give you more details of around how it's worked, but it's been an exciting and extremely impactful service that over the last number of years now has uh, made a great deal in, in the lives of our families. Yeah, well, and, and Superintendent Reyes, I wanted to follow up before we get into partnership. And so, um, you know, for, for most of the folks who are, who are listening in have a healthcare background and, and the educate, well, well, a lot of us, including me, have kids, have gone through the education system. My wife's a teacher. I don't, I don't think everyone always really appreciates what it's like to be a superintendent to meet the needs of students and in, as an educator. And in the healthcare world, there's this term that is used a lot now. It's called social determinants of health. And we, we talk a lot about the healthcare side, that it's not just providing care, but things like food and shelter and a lot of things you touched on. And but but all those things play out in Robla and in, in, in schools across the country. And I'd love to get just your thought. How do you think about your role as a superintendent, giving there's so much more you're doing beyond just educating our kids? Well, that's a, a really important point, Josh. I, I think that those of us who are involved in education, first and foremost, became educators because we want children to learn and we want to do that in the most effective way possible. I think my story um, is very much tied to why I do the work that I do, which is that I am the first person in my family to have gone to college. And um, I enjoy a life now that has um, a lot of wonderful things that has everything to do with what became accessible to me when I got an education. So that's why I became an educator because I feel very strongly that education can really kind of break that cycle of poverty that so many of our children live in. But quickly we found out that there's so many things that can get in the way of that education. And that's why, as you say, Josh, suddenly I found myself needing to be so much more than an educator. We needed to kind of figure out ways to help families who live in poverty get past these things that were getting in the way of learning. So health is one area, absolutely. But we also have become involved in food distribution. Uh, we serve three meals to our students a day, which was something that began about five years ago. We were already serving two, but we found out that we needed to provide yet a third meal at school. We found out that a lot of our families did not simply have access to food, um, both for financial reasons, but also geographically. So we have partnered with other organizations to provide uh, food access. So we do food giveaways in a variety of ways, some, some, really, some really innovative ways that we're, we're able to do that. Uh, we partner with other organizations around a variety of other things. I, one I'll spell out just really quickly. Uh, we have a college savings program we called Kindergarten to College. And in a partnership with our uh, local United Way, we actually started a college savings account for all of our kindergarten students, which not only it's not a lot of money, but I will say it really just starts the conversation around college, which for many of us with our children, we understand the importance of having that conversation even at a young age. But if you're in a family where college has never been an option for anyone, you don't think of having that conversation. And by giving them this funding, we are able to not only get them thinking about saving for college, but also getting them thinking about this as an opportunity for their children as well. So, you know, I didn't become an educator to do any of these things, but it's the world we live in and it's what our families need. And uh, we, and I have to say for, 
I've been able to see Superintendent Reyes both at school board meetings, you know, essentially a CEO of a, of a relatively large organization and also community meetings and the connection he has to families and the, um, the respect they have for him. So, it's, so just thank you for everything you do for our community. So I'll, I'll, I'll give um, just sort of the quick view of what Hazel does. And so, and I should stress, when we started Hazel, Robo was one of our very first school district partners. So a lot of things that where we are today, I mentioned us working with uh, schools representing about 2 million kids. Back when we were in the thousands, it was, it was the partnership with, with Superintendent Reyes and the Robo community that helped shape this. But what we do um, is we bring, our goal is to make sure that we can serve uh, the needs of kids, needs of young people, K-12 in schools, whether that's mental health, physical health, um, this integrated care approach, wherever kids are. Our main focal point is being at schools, but we're also able to offer services at home, which has helped particularly during uh, the, the pandemic. Uh, and then um, the way that it works, if you imagine at the school setting, we set up a, sort of think of it as a kiosk. There's both you know, the iPad, you can actually see Nurse Judy from Robla right there on screen uh, with one of the Robla students, uh, and then a whole set of peripheral equipment. So there's a setup, but then a large part of the work is also making sure that we can integrate with all the data systems, but, but more importantly with the community processes and all the things of how the school community works from everything from how Superintendent Reyes gets the message out um, about new programs to their families, uh, to making sure that Nurse Judy, that it fits her actual workflow at the school site. And on the home site, it looks much very similar to what you'd imagine telehealth at home to be, uh, with the main difference being that we can actually connect back into what's happening at school. So a, a child that we may have seen during the day, there could be a follow-up if needed at home in the evening. Um, and so what we're, uh, Superintendent Reyes and I will not talk a bit about the partnership and, and um, you, you shared a little bit about the Nurse Judy op, um, skepticism, but I just, I'm curious, uh, Superintendent Reyes, to share a little bit about what you heard from your school board, the broader community, kind of in that first set of stages. You know, it's funny how now, you know, a few years down the line, this has become such a part of, of how we do business in the Robles School District. But as I think back, I think about that initial reluctance because this was something that was so out of the box for so many people. Yes, for our school board. Yes, for our families. Uh, nobody seemed to, 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 you know, why, why would I sign up for medical things at school? It was, there was a lot of reluctance on the family's part, just because it was something they had never heard of. And, and, it, and they couldn't believe because um, we were able to sec secure that funding that we would be able to provide this service to them. It seemed like it was almost too good, good to be true. So I, I think there is kind of some learning that needs to happen. And of course, the, the way that this catches on is really the success that breeds more success and families telling other families that, oh my gosh, you know, I sent, I sent Jose to school today and they called and they said he had a fever. And, you know, in the past, what I needed to do was, talk to my boss and leave work and go get him and then figure out if he needed to go to the doctor. And now they, you know, the program gave him some, some medicine and he went back to class and I didn't miss work and he didn't miss school. And it was something that people were in awe of from the beginning. And then it just kind of picked up speed from there. So that, that idea that it's such a innovative thing when it seems like such a simple concept, I think it's something that you have to kind of work on 
I think you mentioned this, Josh, this idea that, you know, you got to really kind of figure out how to market this and really talk to families about how this can be of not only benefit to their child, but a benefit to them as well. Great. And, and I'm going to skip the peak because we'll, we'll share some of the data in a slide, but, but let's talk about the last year and a half with the pandemic. And so, so when you think about that for your, for the Robo community, kind of how, how kind of health and public health became even more front and center for you, what was that experience? Well, you know, COVID brought so many challenges, I think, to all of us, to, to us as educators and to our families. Every layer of support that we could provide was such an important part of the business that we were doing with our families. So being able to shift quickly in the partnership with Hazel allowed us to work flexibly together to shift to Hazel at home, which allowed families to gain access. Uh, whereas before, you know, they had to gain that access at the school uh, through the school nurse, they now had access to that at home. And again, during this time of quarantining, when families were all, we were all kind of holed up in our homes, you know, that they could have um, access to telemedicine was really, really important. That worked really well for our community because of the high level of poverty, we were able to give every child um, a computer. So it, what there was a, you know, we've solved the equity issue. It wasn't, well, you can only access Hazel Health if you have a computer. Well, we gave every child a computer. So now everybody had that access as well. And, you know, Josh, you'll share the numbers. I, I, I'm sure, you know, we didn't get a lot of, a lot of response to it because I think there was just, you know, we were all trying to navigate through the, the healthcare system during COVID. Um, and if you don't speak English, that's just got another layer of, of difficulty. But Knowing that it was there, I think, is something that I, you know, we, we've heard very much from our families. Um, if they needed it, then they could they could access it. So I think just that idea that um, we can provide as a school district multiple layers of support. This was just another resource in our arsenal to do that. Right, and I'm gonna for the moment I'm gonna skip over the mental health and come back at the end because I want to share some of the the data. And so um, one of the things that um, we had the ability to do is uh, uh, there's a part of the U.S. Department of Education. Actually, uh, there's a group that they fund called the Institute of Education Studies that they actually did a bunch of research on the actual partnership that happened between 2017 and 2019. We looked at a bunch of metrics. One of the things I'm going to pull up right here is, is actual utilization. And this is a frame for those of you who remember pre-COVID, the typical engagement of telehealth um, if you look at a lot of the major providers, was, it was often in the four to six percent range. And what we were finding by being open within schools is that uh, our engagement rate was well over 20 percent and in some populations as high as 40 percent. And I will actually say uh, there in, in Robla, we weren't able to be open every single day for a few reasons. And so this is actually slightly lower than a few of our other districts, but was phenomenal. And, and the, one of the things we're particularly proud of is a lot of the data both pre and post COVID, that while even within that telehealth engagement, there's often big discrepancies in health equity and that low-income communities, communities of color are less likely to be able to access this. And by being in schools and a lot of the outreach we did with Superintendent Reyes' team, that not only was there high engagement, but actually our highest engagement rate was with um, their black families and students. Um, and you can see the data here. We are really proud of the fact that not only are we increasing access, but, but actually directly addressing health equity. I'll, I'll flip to the next slide. And so here's, in addition to that, some of the data points that came out of there, along with follow-up surveys we've been doing with families 
Um, so number one, one of the first metrics we looked at is when we see a child together with the robo team, can we get that child back to class uh, as opposed to having to leave, lose instructional time, um, parent having to leave work. And we found that actually 94% of the time, kids were able to return safely back to class. Uh, and so that was from the study itself. Then from the parent surveys, we asked them to estimate every time there's a hazel visit, what does it mean for them? What's the impact? They, they, the NPS score, the net promoter score has been off the charts, but 95. Um, but they tell us that about three hours of, or I'm sorry, three hours of saved classroom time for getting back to class. So that's the student side, three hours more of classroom time. And the parent side has been, they estimate that every hazel visit means roughly three hours of work that they didn't have to miss. And for so many of our families who are paid hourly, it's not just misproductivity, but it's actually meaning less like, dollars out of their paycheck that otherwise they would, would have gone um, by needing to pick their child up from school and trying to get them to a doctor. Um, that's the hard data. And, and uh, Subhan Reyes, do you, I, do you, I don't know if you have any qualitative kind of feedback to add color to that from the, the family side. Absolutely. I, I think that the thing I want to say first, Josh, is that you use the word equity a couple of times. And I just want to underscore that because that is what we live and breathe in Robla. We serve a very diverse student population. Um, we're about 60% Latino and then about 50%, 15% Black, 15% uh, Asian, 15% uh, uh, Caucasian. And we have to talk about equity a great deal because it's so much a part of you know what's happening in this community and obviously in communities uh, throughout our country making sure that our families have the faith to uh, get what they need right and by providing them the, the the medical service through the school and if we've done our job and I'm proud to say that there's a lot of evidence that in Robla we have done the job of creating strong relationships with our families. The trust is there. And so we've all heard about the distrust that can exist for communities of color with different fields, including you know, medicine. And I think that if the school has a level of trust with the family, that's going to sometimes um, have a family feel confident enough to say, okay, I might be hesitant to go to the doctor over here, but if the school's partnering on this, maybe that's something that I am willing to uh, trust. And so I think the fact that we're seeing that high engagement for our black communities, for example, I think that's something that's a really important aspect of, of, um, of this work. I, I would say that, yes, there are tons of stories about um, the kinds of things that have happened with our families. And I'd love to hear st stories from our nurse um, where she you know, talked with families about their particular situation. But one of my favorite stories was about a child who had some ongoing health issues and the child in their own head had come to the conclusion that when his parents had to take off of work in order to take him to the doctor for his problems, that was causing his parents a lot of stress. So he had taken it upon himself to kind of sometimes mask his symptoms because he didn't want to cause problems for his parents. And that whole situation completely changed when he could talk to a doctor at school because now his parents didn't have to take off work. 
Now his parents didn't have to have the stress of finding a doctor for him to go to. And he was more honest then about what was happening with his own health. And, and, and she felt like it was an incredible, impactful situation for him to really get what he needed. So there's stories like that throughout the district over the years that this type of access for the children and their families is so impactful, especially in a high poverty community such as this. Fantastic, and yeah, that's a that story. Um, I may, I'll share one other piece of data as we get close to wrapping up. And so one of the big metrics in the education world that's been looked at the last few years is this metric called chronic absenteeism. Um, it's, it's typically defined as kids that are missing more than 10% of the school year. And there's been a lot of data to show that it's one of the, the best predictors of um, reading level at third grade, for example, one of the best predictors is your, your actual attendance rate in kindergarten. And even if it gets better in first and second grade, if you're chronically absent in kindergarten, it's, it's, you're much less likely to read at grade level by third grade. And similarly at high school, your odds of graduating are six times lower uh, if you have a year where you're chronically absent. And so it's a metric that most states have been looking at uh, for districts. And what you see on this is actually from the California dashboard, um, Robles percentages uh, in 2016, 2017, 2017, and 18. And unfortunately, as a state and as a country, these numbers are getting worse. So if you see that dotted line, um, that's where the trend has been going. And what we, we launched Hazel in 2017, 2018 with the Robles School District. And what we found is where um, there was about a 14% decrease uh, for uh, a relative decrease for the Robles School District. Um, statewide, uh, there was a 10% increase. And so not only an improvement, but back in the trend. I, I wanna stress, this was not all Hazel and Robles, but there's a, a ton of great things that Robo was doing um, to help address this, but we're really proud to be part of the, the good work that Superintendent Reyes and his team are doing. Can I just add to that for a second? And Josh and say, yes, I, I, I thank you for, 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 for recognizing that there were a number of things that were put in place, I think, to make that impactful. But I guess I just want to underscore that idea that, you know, I began my story today by saying that education can make a difference, but the education, you have to be present for it. And if you're missing school, then it's not going to give you, you know, the, give you the access uh, that education can give you if you're missing school. So that slide, I think, is just so significant because if children are in school, that's when school works. And, 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 and as a side note, I will remind everyone, I, I know this is a, an audience, an international audience, but in California, schools are paid only when a child is in school. So it's not even that they're just enrolled, they actually have to be present for that day for you to get funding for that child for that day. So this is also how school districts are able to keep their lights on by having children in their seats. And by keeping them in school, not only are we doing what's right for the child, but we're keeping the school district uh, running. And that's a critical aspect of this work. And, and as Superintendent Reyes, maybe for the, the last word. So there's there's so many other things beyond what Hazel does that I think could be done for kids and in partnership with schools. And we'd love for you to share with the audience. Um, I remember how big of a deal it was when we stopped being talked about as a vendor and as a partner. And so if you think other folks in the room thinking about ways that they could support places like Robla, what would be your recommendation for other, other folks that are excited about this work? Well, you, you and I've talked a lot about this over the years, Josh. I think that a partner who is willing to come in and listen, 
I think is a really key aspect to having a successful partnership. School districts all have their own culture. We as a small school district have a, a culture that can sometimes be a little bit quirky in terms of how we, we do things. Hazel was willing to come in and really listen. And um, I remember at one of our very initial meetings, uh, Hazel said to us, you know, we want you to understand there isn't, the way that we come to do this with you doesn't mean that there's a hazel way that you have to adapt to. We are willing to work with you to come up with a robo way of imp implementing telemedicine. And I will tell you that this, this change of attitude with our school nurse who was one of the most skeptical people in the beginning and who became one of the biggest fans in the end, um, I, I think it was all based upon that. She had a lot of experience and a lot of insight about what works with our families and a partner that was that came in and was willing to listen to the lessons that we have learned about how to be successful with our families is a really key piece. So, you know, you can all maybe put that all under the umbrella of flexibility, but I think uh, a partnership where everybody is trying to uh, listen to each other, I think is, is really one of the most important keys to success. Fantastic. And uh, to Superintendent Reyes, thank you again for joining me. Thank you everyone for listening and uh, we hope everyone has a wonderful day.